On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Mark Grayson learns how to fly and not just perfect his takeoffs, but also stick his landings, if the Legends of Tomorrow can find Sarah Lance, and how Batwoman handles casting Kate Kane's. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every single live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I'm here to lead us through all this comic book TV. That's my job here. It's also my job to vacuum the floors. I don't know how I got that job, but I do have that job, so um, you're welcome for the uh, floors. It's probably because you suck. <laughs> yeah, that person who rudely interjected. I do have some other friends here to help me. They normally support me, but uh, it sounds like we've got a different energy going today. We got a roaster in here. Uh, Ryan, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. It's going to get better, mostly for the audience, because let me let me explain to you guys the situation right now. Uh, we're recording at a different time than usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am fucking pumped up and ready to go. Meanwhile, Mike is hot off his second vaxi. And Cassie just got off 12 hours of, it says here, community service. We don't know what that was or for why. So it's about to become the Ryan show, and I'm going to go hard. (laughs) You see an opportunity. It's also the first time because, yeah, a little look behind. We are recording at night. So this is the first time you're going to be able to have a drink because, you know, a respectable man only drinks after like eight. So we're going to see the first time that Ryan has ever drunk drinking on this podcast. Drinking? Is that the word? I've never drank before 8 a.m., you yeah. liar. <laughs> but as we say, hot off is vaccine. We do have Mike here. How's it going, Mike? It's going great. I love this time. Uh, you know, when the the sun is down and the moon is up, mm-hmm. we're going to have some fun. We're going to lick our tongues. TGIF. Lick our tongues? Lick our own tongues. Isn't that just talking? No. I don't know. You figure it out. <laughs> Fair enough. That's Go that, lick a tongue. That's that Chud. late night energy. Um, Go lick your tongue seems like something that the most vile bully from the 50s would say to you in high school. Go lick your tongue with a rubber bung. <laughs> See, that's why like old time bullies scare me because they would say stuff like that. And like I wouldn't know what to do in that situation. So either way, I'm getting beat up because I would do it, but I don't know what it means. And let's just be clear that we we understand 50s bullies from TV and movies where they're like the fawns and they say things like up your nose with the rubber hose. Not like actual 1950s bullies, which only said the N-word. I'm sure it was yeah. very different. Yeah. Real 1950s boys, bullies were like, hey, boys, do you want to get all the gals, drive around, play some bubblegum pop, and uh, I don't know, lynch our neighbors? So they were all Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> hey, guys, it's the trees. But yeah, no, the the ones who tell us to lick tongues, like that's, I wouldn't know what to do. And I'm I'm so scared of bullies. <laughs> so this is a real fear of mine. Uh, thanks for bringing this fear into my life. I appreciate that. Um, uh, still though, Cassie, are you still, like if you are at like a, a Target and mm-hmm. you see a classic eighth grade bully 
<laughs> bullying other people or you? Uh-huh. Are you freaking out? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, you have that moment where you're like, I should say something. I'm the adult here now. Like, I can't let this child bully the other children. But then I go to make a noise, and they turn on me, and I, I immediately just so much fear comes over me. I get being scared of eighth-grade bullies from the 50s, especially if they're around now. That means they time-traveled. But right now, current eighth-graders, they're like Bradens and Jadens. You could punch them. <laughs> no, and- but... They're I want to be clear that we're talking about eighth grade male bullies. Those I will take on and I will scream at and fist fight. Eighth grade girl bullies, I am out just of be there. Be a puddle, yeah, dude. <laughs> just... They will decimate me. The I just feel like they can decimate me on like an emotional level. Like I would be looking at Nerf guns and they would t- look at me and be like, "You're an adult looking at Nerf guns," and like that would all they need to say, and I would cry for the rest of the week. So. They- it's for a, it's not for a nephew. <laughs> no, but that is a good point, though. I would lie. I would. I, I would. Even though I could just say no. Yeah, I'm into Nerf guns. Shut the fuck up, you little fat idiot. Uh, I would make up a story. I would make up a story to save face. Or the, no, well, see. Or the girl bully, the girl eighth grade bully who would just turn to me and say, "I bet you even you haven't even had your period," and I'd be like, "It's true," and I'd run away. Just crying, arms flailing, akimbo. <laughs> So, I mean, speaking of bullies, you know, we could definitely go against, um, I'm sure we could all go against Omni-Man. We'd be the perfect people. But we're going to see how Mark did it in the main event when we cover the Invincible finale. And we're going to go to that right now. On the season one finale of Invincible, Mark is faced with the reality that his dad is an all-powerful monster who has been sent on a mission from his home planet to destroy Earth. When Mark does not get on board with his Viltrumite takeover... His father attempts to show him the error of his ways by making his son's resistance the source of a thousand casualties. Then when this twisted-as-fuck technique doesn't work, Omni-Man just goes for beating the living shit out of his son. In a rare and very brief moment of humanity, Omni-Man spares his son's life, flies away from Earth, leaving everyone to deal with the hurt of being betrayed by your protector and living in fear of him coming back. Taste Buds, I ask you, did this first season actually tell a good story, or did they just push the level of violence previously shown on screen? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, just yes to both. Good story Uh, and... Actually, uh, Mike, I want to talk to you about the first part, and then I want to talk to Cassie about the second part. Uh, Okay. uh, I thought that, yeah, this was pretty perfectly... Not paced out throughout the entire season. You know, we talked a lot about the first probably eight episodes, seven episodes, and how it was just so much. But you did get the payoff, I thought, throughout the last episode and this episode. Yeah, and I so this episode I think blended it because it, it brought in a lot of the crazy violence of the first six episodes, and then also the story. That, and I, I what I loved is Mark's growth is when he first starts Omni Man's doing stuff and he's beating the shit out of him while yelling, "Who's controlling you?" Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a dumb superhero way of like I'm just assuming you're but, under mind control, but also that I will punch the mind control out of you. But they've established that Mark reads comic books. Yeah, so he's like. Even though he's a new superhero, he's like, oh, this must be some cheesy-ass plot from some cheesy-ass comic <laughs> book. Uh, and I do, M- Mark reacted perfectly because he said, you think I'm going to enslave my friends and family for an alien race I've never met? Like, it, it, it's almost like, I guess Omni-Man, it's shown he is arrogant, but like, the jump, the, I, I could have used a, a slower cranking up of how batshit he is over the whole season. Though I guess we're supposed to, he's always been like this, he was just hiding it. But how out of control he was in this episode seemed uh, a jump. That's a good point. Like, they've been showing how he's a toxic human 
husband throughout the episode or throughout the season really well. But him saying like these animals, like these disgusting animals, that sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah. For him to say, I love your mother, but more like a pet and expect Mark to just be like, yeah, you're right. You know what? Let's get out of town, dad, Uh, is batshit. I did want to know about that if that was like if they slowly were showing us because I you know I just jumped in first and last which is I think <laughs> how you should do things but um I did want to know if that was like a new thing for this episode where they just came in because like the first one there was one comment where he made I was like ah he's probably a piece of shit husband but like I didn't think it was at the level of like this is my pet well I mean you could see he's a piece of shit husband right away Cassie with uh, just a mustache that mustache yeah, yeah. like he's, he's just got a mustache. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> obviously, he either beats his wife or beats other superheroes to death. It's one of those two things. <laughs> but um, so this this was a jump up, like, because in this one, it started off with so much murder. So this was, like, the, the previous episode. You... Yeah, keep going. I just felt like it, this this amount of murder right off the bat was insane. So Well, it's, yeah, because so everybody knows now. That his wife, the people he worked with forever, everybody knows that he killed the Gardens of the Globe. And Mm -hmm. so he's like, oh, if the secret's out, if Debbie knows and Cecil knows, then fuck it. I'm going to tell Mark it's time for Murder Train. And he'll be cool with that. And then we'll get this planet ready. We'll take over. And the Viltrumites will be like, hey, thanks, boys. (laughs) A plus, boys. We always talk about like what it's like to watch these shows through somebody else's eyes. And so watching this last episode, I knew that this was Cassie's first. And the first time that popped in my head was goddamn murder train when Omni Man <laughs> Omni Man takes his son into the subway and holds him up to the subway, so he has a front row seat to the subway and everybody in it getting mutilated, sort of by him, by Mark. Yeah. And I was yeah. just I was watching this thinking, what is Cassie gonna think about this show? <laughs> Cassie historically doesn't love gratuitous violence. Yeah. Well, and also, like, there's been a... Cassie, shut up. We're, me and Mike are talking about what you thought about the show. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about my... Yes, my opinions. I'm sorry. The The whole season has had a build-up to this sort of epic violence that Cassie has not had. So, mm-hmm. Cassie, <laughs> was this enough violence for you? Oh, boy, was it. It was a level that I never thought I would see on screen. The fact that he kept using his son to, like, create, like, cause these murders. He was like, oh, you care about them? Watch how pointless that is, and you will be the source. Like, you trying to save them will murder them. So fucking twisted. So terrible to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's a real genocidal stop hitting yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think this is Mark's fault. <laughs> that <laughs> no one is using him as a bludgeon. And what's yeah. crazy is that Cassie had her roommate, Caitlin, uh, fill up a straw with fake blood and spit it on her face every time there was violence going on the screen. <laughs> just to have that whole added effect to every scene. It I worked out that Caitlin 40. does that. Every Thursday, and it just lined up this time with what you were watching. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes coincidences happen. Um, I do want to know though, like, did it live up to like how does this compare to the comic book? Like, is the comic book even drawn like this gory, or like did the story go this uh, this dark? Oh, the comic book leaves no gut unthrown at your face, no bone unbroken. it's it's a lot of why the comic book got famous between this and actually sort of the main thing was like sort of having an out of continuity Spider-Man Superman that we that were not like weighed down by literal decades of bullshit. Right. 
Um, we could just start over. So that was cool. But it, the violence was also a big part of it. The artist was Ryan Otley, and he is probably my favorite artist. And it's not not because of his um, <laughs> his amazing destruction of skulls. Draws viscera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the cartoon definitely said, oh, no, we're going to keep that. We are going to keep that for sure. It all, what got me the most is, you know, I'm not a fan of the gore or the excessively violent. But what, like, it, to me, it felt like it, there was no purpose to it. And that's because of where, like, this episode ended. And I realize it's just the first season. But it felt like everything felt so pointless in this one by the end when he was just talking about, like, I go to high school now. And, like, everybody was just like, there was, I know we can't have full resolution, like, there is going to lead up to it. But I felt like it needed more than just, like, uh, here's the day after and now I go to school. Like, I healed up and I go to school now. Okay, so real quick, Omni-Man's gone. Uh, Alan the alien comes to talk to Earth, and it turns out to be Mark, that, oh my god, you had a Viltrumite living on your planet. He's like, yeah, fucking. <laughs> Way to go, Seth Rogen. Way to, s- <laughs> Way to smoke a bunch of weed and be 10 years too late. Um, but they sit down and they talk, and Alan the alien's like, so what are you going to do? And then it cuts to a montage of... So many comic book villains are coming into yeah. town to like mm-hmm. uh, take the place now that Omni Man is gone, and then it goes back and it's just Mark saying, "I think I'm going to try high school," which is cute and it's funny and it does work. But I do also agree with Cassie that uh, the montage sort of came out of nowhere. It was un- to- it was a little bit unclear what they were doing, and I mm-hmm. do think it missed the mark. It made because <laughs> his name is Mark. Um, it, it was a little anticlimactic because you pushed everything the show this episode had to offer in the first 30 minutes, which was basically right. like a, a Peter Griffith versus Chicken Man fight. Except with like emotion behind it. Uh, <laughs> and Mark's, I think I'll try high school. If it was bleak and the point was everything was pointless and Mark wasn't being cute about it, I think that fits with the show, which mm-hmm. is kind of with the comic I felt like built up and built up, like all the conversations we've had is like the years, the, the lives of the X-Men, it's only 10 years of their lives, even though it's like 60 years of comics when they all just kill themselves. I feel like there's certain points where Mark starts bringing that up. Like so much has happened in such a short amount of time. And so if it, if they started to go bleak, that would make sense. But for him to be like, I'll try high school is like, your dad just beat the shit out of you and the world. You can't be yeah. cute right now. It was such a weird tone. Also, he he dealt with it pretty quick. I was like, oh, we're just we're just back to it, huh? Your dad is the worst human being alive, and he's like, ah, dads, what are you gonna do? But the way, like, I agree. Like that is goofy, and that was like my main question for you, Cassie. Is does this does this hit at all, or does it just read as goofy? And I thought that the first half did a pretty good job of walking that line. Uh, mm. It is kind of funny because it's so ridiculous, but it also hits hard. Literally, no pun intended. Uh, there's one point where uh, Omni-Man takes Invincible all the way down to the bottom of the ocean, and the hits that Invincible tries to give his dad on the face, like it's just so weak. Like I'm still going to try, but like you're barely going to feel this. Like That is kind of funny, but still devastating. Mm. Uh, I think this scene that... like brings this whole thing up a level uh, and makes Mark the quote-unquote hero for better and for worse is seeing his mom sobbing. And right. he walks in on his mom crying, and which is one of the better things to walk in on your mom doing if you've had my life. <laughs> but uh, 
And then he he thinks in typical stupid man fashion, a lot like Omni Man. Oh, I have to bottle this all up. I have to be the hero. I like. I have to. St- I have to protect her, and I have to put mm-hmm. my feelings aside. You know. And even when he's out with his friends, he's like, "Yeah, you know what? I would like to talk, but fuck you. You're not going to talk at all. You're going to bottle it all up." And he doesn't say anything. You know. Right. That's that's where he shows off his true, not just youth, but maleness toxic you know? male youth yeah i was yelling at the tv just go hug your crying mother <laughs> like are you kidding like, don't close left, the door more she like, left the door cracked like that's how you know it's like, always you can, a message you can you can hug your crying mother um but i do like what also didn't really click for me was to see these moments of humanity that they put for omni man like the flashbacks of him seeing his son play like like softball or baseball or whatever and he like you know he'd like they were like showing like he does love his son but i was like does he because he is using him to murder thousands so it was this really weird like those moments of of humanity seemed like fake i guess i i don't think it's fake it's just like like he said like he's a thousand years old so he loves his son probably more than he loves his wife because his son has part of his bloodline in him uh and because he cares about gross shit like that but it's that in his mind, in this version of Superman, right, he's so powerful that everything is a flea. So even this son, who he sort of cares about, is still a bug. So, think, like, he can be uh, proud he, at moments. He straight up says, I'm 17 years away from a new mark. Like, he says, yeah. if, if you, I'll just kill you and have a new kid. Although, I don't know which human he's going to go impregnate now, now that he is, it's very clear that... He's a bad guy. Who put on a wig, like a mullet wig? <laughs> Nobody will know he's Omni Man. <laughs> or instead of a fake mustache. Stash. No, no, he can't. Cassie, I'm he sorry, cannot I'm shave sorry. that mustache. How dare I put that out there? He has to have the Zack Snyder, Henry Cavill CGI <laughs> over CGI. the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but does it, like, do you think his, like, love for Mark is enough that he would just leave, like, Earth and, like, not go through with his mission of, like, taking it over? Like I don't the the part where he just left, especially um, where I was like, it seems like a cop out, but I guess it is a TV show. So, and based on just the first season of TV, Mike, not the yeah thousands yeah. of pages of comic books you've read. <laughs> That's why I was like, well, knowing other things, it's he's. But yeah, I I said even pretending if I had never read the comics, I still don't think we're done with Nolan. Mm-hmm. I don't think that him leaving meant that. And it get, like the. That uh, baseball flashback gave us the, uh, I don't know, juxtaposition of showing Mark as a little kid who doesn't have his two front teeth, yeah. and then it cuts to older Mark who, <laughs> yeah. do- who no longer has his two front teeth. That was funny. I, I legit <laughs> thought that worked. Do you, a dumb thing that infuriated me is the Guardians of the Globe, who are supposed to be like the best of the best, even though they're clearly not, uh, were on ice. They could have probably saved a lot of lives if they weren't watching on TV like the rest of the world. Shut up. You were watching all of this on TV too. You didn't do shit I'm about it. I'm not a it, hero. Mike. It's true. <laughs> if you animate just... me, I'll start saving people. Uh, the, okay. So I feel like Cassie is a little bit negative on the sort of I don't know emotional resonance of the show. And here's one scene I will back her up on, where uh, Samson tells uh, Rexplode to stop cleaning that blood stain, and. Uh, goes to fight him and then the rest of the team is about to fight uh samson and then he's like all right now we're a team let's all play this together i was baffled that's a bunch of bullshit right there. that whole scene was baffling 
I didn't. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about that scene, but I didn't even know how to form a question because none of it, like, it was nonsense. What the I was shit? Like, I don't. I don't know what this is. I don't know the it's, backing enough. Like, it's one of these things pact? that sorta, but like, it was still done terribly. Like, it's one of those things that we feel all, all of the time, especially on these. Like, let's do the entire season as one episode and then cut it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they're like, oh fuck. We only have six minutes left of this entire season. Let's go. Get it all done. We got to get it all done. <laughs> but yeah, just did did not make sense. Uh, I guess because the past, these because these two have gotten in fights the whole season, the team is split. But this time they were all against Samson. So that means they're a team. But that doesn't there mean you're go. a team, guy. <laughs> <laughs> he just Mike, wanted you, to unite them. Mike, you and I get into kick fights at the end of every, throughout every season of Superhero Show Show. And what do we do towards the end of each season? We get into harder kick fights. Like we yeah. got, we don't make up real quick because that's inorganic. <laughs> um, kick but harder, always kick harder. Before we go though, I know it's not like I'm not the best critic because again, w- first and last one, that's not how you watch a show. So I do want to know: Did it live up to your guys' expectations for this? Yeah, I enjoyed it. So it's also clear. I don't think Cassie, you like. Rogan Goldberg comic based TV shows. Oh, so they did, good point. They did Preacher the Boys and now Invincible. Yeah. Uh, and I do think, well, I think Boys is their pinnacle, and then this, and then Preacher. But I enjoyed it. I, I there's like there, we had issues throughout, but I'm not mad. I watched it. I would have watched it even if we didn't have to, which is the biggest compliment we can give here on the Superhero <laughs> Show show. And yeah, I, I will say. Uh, just to, to argue, uh, like sort of against Cassie, uh, at the end, towards the end of the season, uh, season two of the boys, which is the best that they've ever done as a duo. Every single episode that we Cassie had to watch, she was like, "Look, this was good. I really liked it. Okay, but I'm still going to continue <laughs> to say that I didn't." Um, and I think Invincible is close. Um, I think that it mostly stuck the landing, but I think the biggest issue. Is I watched this movie the other night called The Mitchells vs. the Machines. Have you guys seen this on Netflix? No, oh, I was told explicitly I can't watch it. Okay, so Mike is not allowed, but Cassie, you should watch it. <laughs> uh, but it has this thing where it's either hardcore, 120% action, or emotional cry scenes, and never the twain shall meet. Like it's either going at 120 miles an hour or zero miles an hour. And that's sort of how this episode felt. Because, Mike, you used the word blended when this segment first started and that's across the whole episode, there were both, but they were not blended. Like, I think that this right. was, it, it, it went full blast and then it really lost the momentum and not just because there was an action, but because they lost that driving force, mm-hmm. you know? And so next season, I, and, and this is definitely something that most second seasons can do from a first season. Like this is the exact lesson that shows learn is balance and just right. sort of make this all seem like it's one story instead of this part then this part then this part you know yeah so the second one i don't know maybe i guess they probably can't we'll see how it goes we'll just see how it goes but um yeah if you want to catch up on it you haven't watched it it's on amazon prime that's all the time we have to talk about that but it is time i mike i promised i'd give you time to talk about your website you got big plans for it so this is your time tell us about your beautiful website i have been perfecting thinking about starting okay to put ships in bottles 
Mm-hmm. And I want to take all of my advice. I want to take an old school hobby and put it on a new school website. So I'm going to take my advice for putting ships in bottles. I haven't learned how to do it yet, but I'm starting to, you know, I got the bottles. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get a ship soon and I'll figure it out. So I want to, I want to put that online, kind of like a how-to advice. There'll be videos. There'll be moving graphics, maybe like secret little Easter eggs like the internet used to have back when it was cool. You'd click a random letter and you're in a whole new page that you don't know how you got to into the game. Oh, man, that sounds fun. I do want to know if we can have the pre-planning page, if I can request like a tab of like pre-planning. And I, I want to know, how do you think they're made now with no research going into it? How do you think those ships get in those bottles? I think that's what the Hadron Collider in Switzerland does. Okay. Is yes. the bottle starts spinning around and they shit the ship the other way and they just go and it gets shoved in. Is that why that was invented? Yeah. Somebody's <laughs> like, so I'm sick of using these tiny tools. I'm using a big ass tool. <laughs> And those are resources well spent. But speaking of resources, this this is going to be, you have to make this website. I think the people Thank need you. to know how to get these bottles in there. Because I don't think it is that. Now we have a full like um, conspiracy theory on our hands. So now we also yeah. have to squash that. This website is very important. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to my friends, cybersprout.net. They're going to be your partner for the digital world. They can. Um, they got it all, man. They got goal-driven design. It's gonna. They're gonna create visually compelling websites. They're also um, easy to manage, so you can just reach out to them. Tell them exactly what you want. They're gonna do yeah. it. Yeah, I they need somebody you. easy to manage. No talking <laughs> you, back. Cybersprout.net. Okay, that stop is- going right back to fifties bully. <laughs> it's it's burning into my brain now. How do you? Uh, so, cybersprout.net does sound like a good way to go. How do you guys think of for the website is uh, how to build a pile of flip.com? I think it's going to be a good, and I think everybody's going to know how to type in that little uh, li- little lisp in there. Will you will you shove it in your purse? Shove it in the purse. Yeah. <laughs> you no know way. He will. All right, so yeah, Mike, cybersprout.net, your partner for the digital world. I'll be on the lookout for that website. But coming up next, we got to talk about all the other shows we watched this week. We are back, and it's time for the poll list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First show starting it off is Batwoman. On this week's Batwoman, Batrite is teaming up with her enemy and our beloved pepper licker, Alice, in order to rescue both Ocean and Angelique, who are being forced to film a WikiHow video on how to make snakebite. With Ryan's whole focus on rescuing Angelique, the rest of the Bat team and Sophie are forced to figure out how to keep Batwoman's secret identity protected as the crows are processing her DNA. Adding to the tension, we also get introduced to the new Kate Kane, who the Black Mask has brainwashed into believing is her daughter and mass villain, villain, Cersei Sionis. Taste Mike, I ask you... Were you sad to see the Ryan Alice team up be done by the end of this episode? No, I assume it'll happen again and again and again because it is like, well, there are two most charismatic characters and they have really good chemistry. (laughs) I know they hate each other or whatever, but they're going to find different pickles. Like they're both anti Sapphire, they're both anti. Black mask, so I, I think they're constantly going to get thrown together. Yeah, it was it was so it was really funny to see her have to keep bringing up you know the fact that like you are my moral enemy, you killed my mom yeah. because their dynamic was just so fun. It was like the funnest buddy cop movie, and you were just like, "This is fun," and they're like, "I hate you," and I was like, and "Oh yeah, you guys do hate each other." Alice doesn't so much; she'll say it, but she is just having a blast. And then yeah. Ryan will remind her, and she was like, "Ah," oh. like you could see her being a little bummed. Like, and she's like, huh, I thought we were having a thing. (laughs) Why'd it have to be you that killed my mom? You're kind of fun. 
But yeah, it. I really enjoyed it, so I can't wait for them to team up more. Um, I do want to ask you a question about the end of them, uh, the very end scene, the very last scene with them at the end. But that's gonna be we're going jumping ahead too much. So before we get to there, um, oh, we're, let's just go to jump for it. How do you feel about the new Kate Kane? <laughs> uh, Kate Kane, yeah. I mean, she she's just we we don't see her face. You can see on her neck she's got some burns. She just has that wooden mask on. Uh, and yeah, she's doing fine right now. We we can't like compare her to the old Kate Kane yet because she's brainwashed. I, I think it's weird to be like, I'm going to turn my mortal enemy into my replacement daughter. But mm-hmm. I guess Sionis has never been accused of being sane. So yeah. whatever. How do you feel I think it, like about this technique that they used to bring in? Because when we found out they were gonna like they recasted KK and I had no idea how it was gonna happen. And this right. this was a wild one. I didn't hate it as far as techniques go, but like Yeah, at first I was like, okay, burn face, that's fine, but it's like you don't have any Kate Kane's memories. You have this person's memories. I'm pretty I don't know. I've never claimed to be a brainwash expert. But I don't think you can just say, You have this person's memories now. Clip clip my cane goes on the floor and you remember that person's life. I think you have to be told or shown that person's memory somehow. <laughs> nope. Just give them the name, social security at home address. And you, you have their whole, whole life then. Um, but did you like, uh, I'm excited for what they're doing with Sophie. Cause now she, this was in this episode, she like actively worked against the crows by going behind their back. Yeah. So, like, I'm very excited for when she, they keep leading to her, you know, obviously leaving the crows. And I'm I'm really excited for each progress of that. Yeah, it'll be interesting if she leaves the crows or just starts stopping them from the inside. And it's been a long journey. And she is better than them, the crows, for sure. Yeah. And it took her too long. But I, the moral dilemma they had, and I do, like, Sophie was on one side. I would argue the right side. And Luke argued the other side because it was the guy found Batwoman's blood. He put it in their system. It's it's going, but it turned out they uploaded every murderer and rapist in Gotham's DNA and put that in the system at one time. So the, their dilemma was delete all of that and get let Ryan keep being secret Batwoman or uh, throw Ryan down the bus. And that I think morally that's that's right is is yeah. reveal who's Batwoman. And Luke was just like, yeah, you know what? Who cares about all those rape kits? throw him down the drain <laughs> sophie think about batwoman's legacy and i'm like man he has he's too close to this yeah it was a wild thing to come from him because it was like he had the question of like how bad of criminals are we talking like what are these dna samples yeah. and she was like terrible rapist and he was like well it is batwoman and i was like wow in no. what way but yeah no. <laughs> it was a crazy dilemma that they had going on their side and then she very smartly, because uh, they don't know that she knows who Ryan, that Ryan's Batwoman, she deleted Ryan's file, which yeah. it's dumb that she didn't think of that instantly. Right off the bat, or that they weren't willing to, like, if in this instance, like, give her give her Ryan's identity. Just tell her yeah, straight out the gate. It, it's such, it's not like Flash dumb, like in early season of Flash of how they hide and bend over backwards to keep secret identities, but like, what's her game now? Like, she's going to use it against them that she knows who Batwoman is. It's just like, just... Fucking be on the team, man. I want a team. Um, and then going. To I the want end. a team. <laughs> Damn it, Batwoman, give me a team. Uh, then at the end we do have Alice getting captured by uh Black Mask and New Kate mm-hmm. Kane. 
I want to know, what do you think their plans are, like, to have her stay captured? Because they were going to kill her, and now, obviously, I know for the TV, but, like, what could they be using Alice for? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't deign to even try to guess you don't want to get in the writer's thoughts mind. of those Arkham. <laughs> it's and yes, I'm talking about the writers, like the, these insane folks. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's some stupid use her to turn her memories into somebody else's memories. Like let let's get Enigma out of here. Enigma is my new uh, Angelique. Get him the fuck off this show. We do have to celebrate though, because I think we are finally done with Angelique. It's happening. Oh like- my <laughs> arms were in the air. I was celebrating good times. Come on, it was the best. <laughs> Angelique was like, hey, join witness protection with me. And Ryan's like, I'm not going to tell you why, but no. And Angelique did the least Angelique thing ever. She went, that's cool. We're cool. Instead of throwing a hissy fit. I was worried it was going to be drawn out, but she was just like, you're right. That's probably best. You live your life here. You're doing good work. I'll go live in the woods. And I was like, hell yeah. Good rap on Angelique. I love this. Um, I'm I'm also glad that Angelique is gone. I'm glad Ryan. Ryan's also here. He's on board. Same level of hate for Angelique. Do you guys, do you guys know how hard it is to just sit here and let you guys talk about a show that you watch for fucking six minutes straight? Watch it next time. Especially you know? a, a show that includes my name over and over again. Do you know how yeah. hard this is? <laughs> Did you panic like you zoned out and every time you're like, "Oh, should I talk?" No, no, it's, no, no it's, it's not me. Oh shit, am Ryan, I we bad? Woman? We're on the show. <laughs> Yeah, you were. You've always been very good during these segments, Ryan. I want everybody to know you do get an A plus for that. Uh, Mike, do you got a moment of the week though? Oh, it should probably be at least an A minus because he he did break that. Right he then. did break but yeah, it, but a, a great Ryan and Alice moment was there in the Batmobile, and Alice is just pressing buttons, and mm-hmm. as you do, and. Ryan says, don't make me hit the ejector seat. And Alice says, that's real. And she says, want to find out? And Alice is, this is very pepper licking Alice mood of like, kind of. <laughs> like, she, I think she truly would be delighted to get thrown, ju- like shoved with a rocket launcher out of the car. Yeah. Anybody else, it would have been such a cheesy line. But I was like, Alice would enjoy this. Yeah. Just, she would tell him to floor it and then shoot her out that car. Does eject um, necessarily mean up? Because up sounds fun, down sounds terrible. What about to the side? To the side is, I mean, most of these cars drive in alleyways. So that's probably also going to be terrible. Yeah, just hit a wall. But it's down like, would be the worst. Down would be the worst. Up is most fun and most whimsical and cartoon, so it's got to be up. I think everybody knows Whee! that. Like, you just have to go up. Uh, the moment of the week also obviously has to be their dynamic and them working together. So if it's not uh, ejecto Cito's because it's got to be um, when uh, they're working together, they pull up and uh, Ryan tells her to draw out the guy so she could take her out and uh she just leans over and honks the horn like i just love the way she handles business uh if you want to watch batwoman it's sundays on the cw our next show is van helsing on the first episode of this season we haven't watched a van helsing jack faces off against the dark one with a new ally whose allegiances may not be trusted taste buds i ask you this how do you determine if a new ally's allegiances can be trusted uh, do they tell me straight up immediately, uh, you can trust me. And then I'm like, uh, you wouldn't say that unless I couldn't. So hell yeah. <laughs> so if you were Jasmine to Aladdin, you would not trust him? Well, I mean, I was bo- I was a born Jasmine and I'll die a Jasmine. I can tickle the ivories like any saxophone player. All right, Cassie, <laughs> same questions. <laughs> You know what? Same answer. And if they had a mustache, also can tickle the ivories. I want it to be known 100%. I can as well. Uh, Van Helsing is Fridays on the Sci-Fi channel. 
Our next show is Black Lightning. Uh, this week on Black Lightning, Lynn gets out of jail with the help of an old flame. Jennifer's electrocuting herself to try to get her powers back. Ugh. And everyone's trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Meanwhile, Tobias isn't happy with how the board is treating him as he's trying to impress them. Taste buds, I ask you this. Nissa's fiance Grace is upset all of the metas want their powers back because she might not want hers back. She tells Nissa they can't have a family if they have powers. Is she being a total dick or does she kind of have a point? She's being a total dick. Dick. It is crazy that this show on CW can can have pretty nuanced, thoughtful talks about race and police brutality and then whiffs normal superhero conversations like this one. It didn't, you could tell the show was like, we want both sides to have a point. But Nissa got to make a long speech about like, they met when she was a meta, like this is what gave her life purpose. So if you're saying you don't want me to have powers, you don't want a big part of me, I'm into it. And Grace is just like, but family, but doesn't explain why they can't have a family. Uh, has she Grace seen the movie The Incredibles or the movie The Incredibles 2? Like, No, I think the problem might be that she's only seen Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Uh, and they are no family. I know a lot of people who have only seen one movie, and it's Fantastic Four colon Rise of the Silver Surfer. So that does make <laughs> sense. It's better than Fantastic Four Stick. I mean, but, Mike, do you feel bad at all, though, like saying this show handles race relations great? but it doesn't know how to handle superhero relations and therefore it sucks. No, no, I'm not saying it sucks. I was just shocked. I thought they could handle nuance and it's like, I guess if you're going to put effort into one of those two areas, that's do pro- race relations. Yeah, that's probably the best <laughs> but one. But yeah. this episode didn't really have that. I guess they all sort of do, but this one didn't have like a big moment. So I don't know, put a little more effort in. And because she did seem like a dickhead. She is in a pouty mood because everybody's upset. They lost their powers and don't know why. Who would do, who would just be pouty because nobody is and agreeing she, with them? Uh, she's like, you're all happy about this, and maybe I'm not. And nobody thought to ask me if I was happy about it. I do, <laughs> I do have to say I, I relate to as everybody else's happiness goes up, mine goes down. So mm-hmm. I do get that. Uh, can, that is your superpower. Real quick, Lynn met an old flame in prison. Was it a cop or a prisoner? No, no, no. It's she gets at her one phone call. She calls Nissa to call an old boyfriend, and he is like a high fluting lawyer. And he goes, and Jeff is not happy. And later, when the the guy is not like putting the moves on Lynn, he just helped out, and Jeff is being a dickhead because everybody in the show is being a dickhead tonight. Uh, and Lynn's like, "You could have, you're acting ungrateful." He's like, "What?" I said, "Thank you." What do you want me to do? And she's like, "Act like it's good. I'm out of jail." And Jeffrey's just like, oh, you can't rely on me. And she's like, we don't have money. What are you talking about? This isn't <laughs> follow your lane, bro. But I love how when people are upset, they skip like 80% of the sentences they should be saying and only say every fifth sentence. It's so confusing. Well, I'm just transcribing and transmitting the script. Do you think part of the reason that the three of us are so unsuccessful is because we don't know when we should all have like a highfalutin lawyer on our side ready to fight for us at any point? I, I tried once, and they're like, I'm an environmental lawyer. I can't help <laughs> with this kind of stuff. It's like, fine, I'll do some earth crimes next time, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> Got it. I think you could really excel at earth crimes. I think it's a potential market for you. I do want to know, do you have a moment of the week, though? Yeah, there's a total subplot because they are just aching to get Painkiller off the show. Uh, he is. He still are has they, Is the show addicted? 
The show's addicted to getting painkiller off the, the is show. Is the show addicted to painkiller? Uh, painkiller has his whole side adventure. Like, I guess he also hates Tobias, but he doesn't deal with anyone. It's him and Andrew, Molly's boyfriend from Insecure. He's his tech guy. And their back and forth is great. And, like, this is old school Arrowverse uh, choreography. When Painkiller, they, they lost the Smeagol stuff. He's no longer talking to himself. He's just going back and forth in the voices. Smart move. And just the hand-to-hand combat they do. The rest of this episode did not have, and it was dope watching him kick giant leather chairs into people. Is there a hidden message here of if you're trying to get rid of painkillers, then you should find Molly? Yep. That makes sense that to me. I like that. Our research just came out this week that said do that. So. Oh, shit. Do you also <laughs> subscribe to research.com? Yeah, research.com <laughs> monthly, weekly. Made by Cybersprout. <laughs> Look at these big learning boys. Uh, Black Lightning is Mondays on the CW. Our next show is The Flash. With Frost facing an unjust punishment for her past crimes, Caitlin goes to great lengths to save her sister. Meanwhile, Barry's efforts to protect Speed Force Nora leads to a shocking discovery. Taste buds, I ask you this. I mean, Frost did commit a whole bunch of crimes for years and got away scot-free. Isn't punishment sort of totally fine in this case? Uh, what? Well, uh, yeah, no. I uh, I think that you should punish for everything you've just done, and then everything you th- people think that you might have done maybe in the past. That's how punishment should work. It's I'm I'm you know more and more and more prison abolition in general. So I, maybe nobody should go to jail. But if you're like, well, the rest of these people we don't like who committed crimes should go to jail. I don't think you then can say like, but not her. She hugged us last week. And see, I'm well. I, I'm slowly becoming like they're saying like uh, abolish uh, student loans, and people are like, "Well, what about the people that already paid student loans?" For me, I'm like, put them in jail. Yeah, anybody who paid their student <laughs> loans. If you if you paid your student loans already, then you need to go to prison. You know. I knew there was a reason I've been waiting on those. <laughs> Absolute monster. Uh, the Flash is Tuesdays on the CW. Our next show is Supergirl. This week's episode of Supergirl is called Prom Again which is not wordplay. After the events of last week's time-traveling episode back to 2009, the timeline is fucked up because that's all the timelines are capable of being. But we get to see Nia and Brainy kiss, Car and Kenny break up, and some gossip hound named Catherine transform into Cat Grant. Taste buds, I ask you this. Supergirl is cheese, and these flashback episodes are cheese. That make this double cheese? <laughs> Mike? Yeah, double stack that cheese. It did not. I like I haven't watched Supergirl a or all the episodes of Supergirl I've watched over the last like what three years I've been like fuck oh god damn it this sucks this was a delight uh, yeah yes what wait so double cheese isn't doesn't mean positive it means bad I think double cheese is good I want a double cheese burger okay yeah okay so I understand that you guys are both um, nonstop cheese eaters that is your diet but uh, I, in this case cheese is like uh, schmaltz like oh, goofy silly bullshit and this walks the line the entire time it's about to fall into that pit but it never does it's actually super funny and it plays on your knowledge of the show but without being like manipulative uh, I couldn't, and like, there's like Legends of Tomorrow level dialogue throughout this entire episode. I cannot remember the last time Supergirl was like this quick and this funny. That uh, do you? I wonder if it's it was it not bogged down with so much convoluted plot. Uh, yeah, but like, and uh, the other thing too, though, Mike, and I hadn't thought about this until that question, but it was upfront about its 
emotional scenes. Like instead of trying to hide it, but they can't hide it. And so that makes it worse. They were like, this is a flashback episode about high school. So we're just going to wear our hearts on our sleeves. And that works so much better than trying to be cool about it, you know? Yeah. And then all the little jokes, like watching Cat Grant become Cat Grant. And by the way, if you've never seen an episode of the show, if you didn't watch Ally McBeal as Cat Grant, then this younger person's version of Cat Grant will seem fucking insane to you. Like she will you <laughs> she will she's basically like an alien supervillain. Uh it it would be crazy. But if you had watched Calista Flockhart, this person trying to do a version of like uh the Ally McBeal baby that she does is actually Ooga, really, Ooga. really good. So I should have watched it? I messed up? Uh, these last two episodes, prom, it's like prom night and prom again. Uh, actually, yeah, as like it was really clever, really funny. Um, and no Melissa Benoist. And, you know, like we just got hot off the end of Winona Earp. We are in the end of Supergirl right now to just not have Melissa Benoist. And my guess is that like COVID set them back. And you could film Melissa Benoist episodes and these two episodes at the same time and try to catch up, and that's why they did it. Um, Interesting. But for a Supergirl episode to not have Melissa Benoist, right there, I'm out. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And no, these were great. These were really genuinely fun to watch. That's insane. Um, On this great episode, do you have a moment of the week, Ryan? A couple moments of the week. Uh, It was directed by Shyler Lee, who plays Kara's sister. Uh, Alex. Alex. I, w- I always want to take note of that. I heard a story about Alex or Shyler Lee uh, from the podcast Welcome to the OC Bitches. Do you guys know that um, <laughs> people will make a podcast? Each episode of the podcast goes over an episode of the Seminole Fox soap opera, primetime soap opera, the OC. That's such a good idea. Uh, there was an actor who was auditioning with Shyler Lee. And he was like, uh, we're auditioning right now. A kiss is not written in the script, but I'm going to do it. I will never, ever be in a room with a girl this hot again. So I'm going to improvise a kiss in the audition, and I'm going to kiss her. And he adds it to the scene. And they are married to this day. They continue to be married. And, And I hesitate to tell that story because, gentlemen, do not ever do that ever. I thought she was going to knee him in the nuts. Yeah. No, <laughs> absolutely do not do that. My other moment of the week is, besides Cat Grant becoming Cat Grant, is this is a flashback episode. It takes place all the way, guys, get ready for this, in 2009. <laughs> when I had, I, read al- that <laughs> I had already been divorced once and been to court three times. Uh, to- <laughs> 2009, folks, that's, that's a period piece. But my favorite part about any period piece uh, is first of all the tampons, and second of all the uh, whoever gets to pick the music, and you're like that, oh, like what a delight to figure out what is the most 2009 songs. And for this episode, it was Lady Gaga's Paparazzi, perfectly used, and uh, Bulletproof. Remember that song? Nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm titanium. No, is that titanium? Yeah, that's titanium. You were song. literally <laughs> saying titanium right as there. you say it. Yeah, but it's <laughs> this I'm time, baby. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Titanium. Oh god, well, I Cassie. Could listen to you. I could listen to you guys sing this whole time. I don't want to cut it off. I want to see how far this can go. But um, sadly, I'll, I'll end it. Supergirl is Tuesdays on the CW. Our next show is Fear the Walking Dead. 
An infiltrate on this week's episode of Fear the Walking Dead, an infiltration turns rescue mission as members of the group dig deeper into an underground community. Taste buds, I ask you this: How deep did you dig when you were a kid? Was digging holes, literally just digging holes, an actual hobby for you guys? <laughs> Hell yeah, it was. Like I you'd wake up in the morning, you'd be like, "Today, I'm digging a hole." I would crack my <laughs> neck, grab my good shovel. Dig a hole that I could sit in, put a hose in it. Now I got a pool, mom and dad. Now I got a pool. There were the kids who wanted to go to the beach to go into the ocean, and Mike was like, I'm going to dig the biggest hole. It's going to be such a hazard to people. I can't wait. I'll bring the ocean to us. Uh, <laughs> Cassie and I were trying to dig to China, because that's what we believed. Mike was like, uh, I'm going to dig through the crust into the inner core. Well, first the outer core, and then the inner core. And then I will find fossils! Based on the dinosaurs <laughs> that I love of my youth. Oh, yeah. you were such a nerd. Still are. Enjoy it. Fear the Walking Dead is Sundays on the CW. Our last show of the week is Legends of Tomorrow. On the sixth season premiere of Legends of Tomorrow, everyone is hungover and spread throughout London 1977. Once they find each other, Ava learns that John and Zari boned, and they all learn from David Bowie that Sarah was abducted. This leads to a search for a former abductee named Spooner, and the discovery that Gary was an alien the whole time. Taste Buds ask you this. How much did you miss Legends of Tomorrow, and did this give you the fix you needed? I, it absolutely did, Mike. Um, there were some issues, but no. this I, it, The issues were like, it wasn't stupid enough. You know, I don't yeah. know if that's like <laughs> an insult or a compliment, or but um, they didn't do something insane like go all the way back to France and then have... Uh, some French queen's head fly across the room. <laughs> uh, there was no Bebo, although the preview for this season uh, showcased for one second, like one frame, a pink Bebo head. So I think that this season will have something along the lines of a Bebo, and Bebo and Bebo will fall in love. Beside the point, Mike, we're talking about this one episode. Uh, and Mike, I can tell you why this one worked, and it's because of Ava's goddamn checklist. New- that checklist was the bomb. New watchers, old watchers. What do they need? They need this checklist. Old watchers want to see all of their favorites. New watchers want to know what they're in for. A checklist of Mick walking away screaming, fuck you, I'm getting drunk. And then Ava looking down and crossing that off a list like she had it <laughs> planned. That's what we need here. Yeah. Her manipulative list to get everybody except for Nick. Uh, and it, it's not cool that there's two people on the show named Mick and Nick. Or is it Nate? It's Nate. Nick is his, Nick Zano Nick is his actor's Nate. name. Yeah. <laughs> Nate. So she needed everybody gone but Nate. So she said different things to get them all out of the way. Uh, it ruled. She ruled. I also like Mick had a lot of uh, emotion here because he said it, it's played for laughs, but he says nothing works without Sarah. It's Ava and Mick are the two who are most distraught that Sarah's missing because it is kind of uh, – Falcon Winter Soldier, Bucky was like, if Steve was wrong about you, maybe he's wrong about me. Sarah became a real hero. So Mick is like, well, this assassin is being good, so maybe I can be good, but only if she is still around. And it's it's crazy that we buy that. Like, at one point, uh, when Sarah's in space, they call her the ultimate human. And I was just watching going, mm-hmm. like, yeah, obviously. Like, who else would it be? Sure. It's, it's, it's Sarah Lance. Uh, everybody else besides Ava and Mick are just fucking drugged up drug users just marching through life with no order did bayrod get even stonier i i think that they're doing something with graphics or cgi because his eyes are just now red 
Also, with the streak of gray in his hair, is he has he gone full on reporter from Ted Lasso? Do you remember that guy yes. who would just follow Ted Lasso <laughs> around and ask him rude questions? That's what he looks Kirk like. So and so independent. Yeah, it's uh, he got older and more stoned in the breaks between seasons. I do think though for we needed Ava to become more of a legend and I think that yeah. in order for that to happen Sarah did maybe have to bounce for a bit, you know? Like she was So she wouldn't just be stick in the mud. Right, and not just be like I love Sarah, that's my entire character, you know? And right. now Ava gets to do leadership stuff, goofy stuff, emotional stuff, like I think I don't know if that's if that's why they made this plot decision, but it definitely helps that out. And I think the actress can hang. So Gary. So we're not the biggest fans of Gary on the show, right? No. And and he just hasn't gone away. And Gary apparently has been an alien the whole time. The whole time, not just an alien, but uh, a Zoidberg, if you will. Is a that Zoidberg. is that racist for me to just straight up say, "Oh, that's a Zoidberg"? Well, he did go across the screen and said, "Now Gary is big." Uh, did you, Mike? And I want you to be honest. Did you know that something was up before Zoidberg changed back into Gary? When the, there's the two Zoidbergs, and when there was the mean this one, feels the so one racist. Coward, this feels so racist. <laughs> The one, the 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 cowering Zordberg, the way they shuffled, I was like, that's a weird, unconfident way for an alien to walk. I swear to God, there's two Zordbergs, and one is like one is Gary's fiance, right? Just a cruel, evil alien, and she's so mean and fierce. And then uh, we don't know it's Gary yet, but she says to Gary, "Walk away." And I swear to God, he leaves the room going, "Ooh ooh 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 ooh," <laughs> and dances out. I was like, "Oh, something's up." That is not. Yeah, that's, that's not an evil alien. alien. <laughs> that's probably some Gary ass shit. And then he pulled out glasses. It, it just does seem like Gary was like he was uh, Ava's assistant at the not DEO at the Time Bureau, and then he learned magic with John, and now he's now like they just they love this actor, so they keep trying to make the character be able to stay on the show. And then the other thing I wanted to run by you real quick is I don't know if this is the fault of the script or the camera work, but Spooner. Uh, the, uh-huh. the show made it seem like this person was a really big deal, and I don't know who the fuck she is, and I don't care. Like there was, it was and like a lot of like we won't reveal until it's the perfect yeah. moment. It, it, for so for the listeners who didn't watch, uh, it was a little girl who had alien technology implanted in her head when she was little. So they're like, well, we'll find her now as an adult, and she's like paranoid and has a cowboy hat. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Which, uh, by the way. Just rethink uh, people you see with cowboy hats on, because the only situation is that they were, you know, they were injected Objected by objected by yeah. thirteen year olds. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if she's like a Western comics character, or at this point, there's more non-comic characters than comic characters on Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it really felt like it was going to be a big deal, and it was just wasn't. Yeah, and uh, she's not like Legends has it does a really good job of like booting out the fucking cast offs and the jerk offs and uh-huh. bringing in new awesome people and this is not someone I'm excited about. Yeah. No, I don't want to hang out with Spooner more. And then Astra's gone too. With that I'm Is she though? I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, she she's doesn't add much. No. And I think she said that to John. Uh <laughs> did you do you do you wish that do you, I mean do you want to add Astra? What are you Brad Pitt right now? I want to add Ed Asner. Uh, you want to add, add Asner? <laughs> Would that Again, movie? I'm, I'm not going to cut it off. I'm going to let you guys keep going. This is gold. <laughs> it's always a fucking stupid decision, Cassie. <laughs> All right, let's go to moments of the week. Ryan, let's start with you. 
Uh, I got to come. Well, Mike, the first one I want to ask you if this is a moment of, of the week or not for me. Um, Spartacus <laughs> is Spartacus, straight up, is screaming at Sarah, we will avenge them. And Sarah is like, no, we will not avenge. Being an Avenger is stupid. You shouldn't want to be an Avenger. Avengers are dumb. She says, yeah, Avengers are stupid. The goal is to prevent death. Want to join the preventers. That's one of mine, Ryan. So I think it's one of yours. Okay. Uh, the other one is, um, I think there be- somebody's being weird about uh, around Ava about the amount of people that Sarah has fucked. And yeah. Ava's like, uh, look, Sarah has issues with being alone. Swing a dead cat. And what that phrase means is that if you were to, you could swing anything. But what the phrase means is that if you swing a dead cat, you'll hit somebody that Sarah has fucked. Yes. So, such a weird thing to say. But do you, <laughs> do you guys know DC Comics' history with dead cats? No. no. Okay. I just want to get into this real quick. There is a very famous issue of DC Comics where Roy Harper, okay, uh, who was once known as Speedy, but then known as Arsenal, right? Arrow's mm-hmm. uh, sidekick, um, got hooked on heroin. His daughter, Leanne, died. And then he uh, got super, super ganked on heroin, uh, went into an alley. All he, he, all he saw was like ninjas, but it was actually homeless people. So he was hallucinating homeless people as ninjas, murdered them all, and then found his daughter, his live daughter, and brought her back to life and held her. And then Batman came into the alley and was like, Roy, Leanne, your daughter is dead. What you're holding is a dead cat. And then he looks down so- <laughs> and he's just holding the corpse of a cat. And this is that's reverse mash? Yes. Where he thinks it's a chicken, but it's a really a baby? It is reverse mash. It's Hassam. <laughs> anyway. Uh, s- thank you for this history lesson. Swing a dead cat is my moment of the week. <laughs> uh my yeah, Mike. My other one other than the Avengers is uh John is drinking. He can't do it, so he's being pouty. And Astra says, what an ass. And Zari says, yeah, he does have that going for him as he walks away. And you know what? I like these two kids together. I like John and Zari just wanting to fuck all the time. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Because I get it. I get it. <laughs> right there with you. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow is Sundays on the CW. That is it for the pull list. So that means now it's time for X-Taz. Welcome to Eggs Tasmania, bitch, a mini-show within a show where we take an in-depth, episode-by-episode look at Fox's seminal and underrated early morning soap opera from the mid-90s X-Men the Animated Series. On Time Fugitive Part 1, we see a future ran by Apocalypse, as well as all of Bishop's previous attempts to go back in time and stop it from happening. Like every good time travel episode, though, it turns out him going back in time is exactly what messes up the future. This future is messed up from him stopping the mutant uh, plague from breaking out, which then somehow leads to mutants becoming extinct and big boy apocalypse running the world. Taste Buds, the recap uh, let us know that we were getting a Bishop tri- time travel episode, so how excited were you to hear that stinger again? That's my first wow, question. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. How come we- uh, you guys don't do that every time I walk into a room? Which we is can. probably the same question I asked last time we covered these episodes. <laughs> Hey, we if X Men gets to repeat, we get to repeat. I'm sorry, but we like right away still. when when we get the recap and it shows Bishop, were you guys like yes, or were you guys yes. like ah? I was <laughs> no. pumped. I love that he's the only person who really calls Wolverine out on his bullshit. And also, and then 
I knew it would meant we were going to get a wild ep- time travel episode anytime mm-hmm. Bishop's there. And I was like, fuck yeah, this one's going to be and crazy. They doubled down. I don't think we've learned that much about Cable yet. But so in the recap, it was all Bishop. But in the opening, we get the wild man of Borneo just attacking <laughs> a bunch of T-1000 looking motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, T-800, so- I'm sorry. Not only did they uh, not stray away from the Terminator references, at one point, uh, I think Apocalypse says, terminate them. And then in the recap, Wolverine's like, uh, Terminator. Uh, <laughs> but the one, the one change they made, did you guys notice the one change they made was, oh, the robots from the Terminator movies are not scary enough. Let's make these robots cross-eyed. And so all of the robots come in with fucking googly eyes that bounce around everywhere. <laughs> And also, it's 3,999 AD. I didn't realize Cable... I thought he was Gene Scott's son, but he's from thousands of years in the future. Yeah, the, yes. you know wow. what, the timeline? I don't know if we should try to figure it out, because that one's going <laughs> to okay, get so smart. crazy. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. there's two. There's like three different points where three different characters, Bishop and Cable included, are just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff starts happening to Cable, and he's like, what's going on? And his little cube bot is like, somebody messed with the timeline. And he's so upset. He's like, this shitty time won't exist anymore. Yeah. And we're straight up inventing Alexa right here, right? Like, yeah. we, we have a lot to talk about with this episode, like we do with all X-Taz episodes, about how it predicted the exact future we're in right now, what with quarantine. The flag. <laughs> and, but uh, the biggest one is Alexa, just him having, Alexa, what's going on? Oh, it's a mutant plague. Oh my God! Okay, Alexa, play Billy Joel. All right, I will. No, I didn't say Billy Joe Armstrong. Alexa, get it right. (laughs) This was the most wild opening because we do we see Cable in the future and all the Terminators, and then we see Apocalypse there. And I knew this combo of Cable, Bishop, and Apocalypse. Like I was fully in. And then that's when we get a little Alexa, and Alexa catches us up and lets us know when these tornadoes come, they are temporal storms, and that is the future trying to rewrite itself or correct itself in the present. So we Which did- I kind of like. I kind of like yeah. the, the timeline just being like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, this is bullshit. And you see, you see one woman just say, like, Cable... Help me as she walks backwards into the tornado. She's like, you know what? <laughs> She's just sprinting this. into it. But that's where, because Bishop is like, okay, I, I stopped the the mutant genocide, but that made a mutant plague. I'll go back again, Forge. And Forge like barely knows who he is. Forge is like, who's the X Men? This is a random skeleton. I don't know of Wolverine. Uh, and in the which temporal- was all a prank, right? Like Forge is just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I remember everything, you old so and so. The in- Cable starts to go back in time, and that's the temporal storm. Him and Cable don't interact. Bishop's just like, oh, in one of the tornadoes. And then yeah. <laughs> the next time we see him is in the 90s. There's also, once Bishop goes back in time, there's a part where he's like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then it cuts to that same scene of just him going, whoa. <laughs> and then he doesn't ends know up how the old timey toilets worked. Uh, before we get into it, uh, I do always have to tell you guys which episodes I watch with my wife. This is one of them. And. <laughs> oh, her qu- her first question right off the bat was, uh, "Is that still is that uh, Scott and Jean's son?" And I was like, "Oh, okay, married, right? All right, go. Let's go, Stephanie." And I was like, "Who? Who are you talking about?" And she pointed at the TV and he- she was like, "Futuro." She thought <laughs> Cable's name was Futuro, ruining all <laughs> fucking credit that she had earned up to that point. <laughs> She got confused because he is from the future, and one of his aliases is again, and I will always remind us, the wild man of Borneo. Right. So she confused future Borneo, futuro. 
Scott, I'm pregnant with your son. I don't know what to name him, but I know that he'll be born in the future. So we have no choice but to name him Futuro. <laughs> and that's when you get a divorce. <laughs> it does. You ain't seem no like punk. A, it seems like an X Men thing. In in her defense, like I could see Futuro being their baby. <laughs> but we do. That that Mister seems sinister. What's his name? Uh, it, it, it's it's Mister Sinister. I shouldn't have yelled at you last week about Futuro. <laughs> Okay, but we do, in the midst of all these time travels, we are seeing um, Bishop going back from Alexa. Alexa's showing us how Bishop is going back to fix the plague, and then we're just in that timeline. And that's when we find that, uh, so he is on a mission to stop this mutant plague from coming out, and then once that happens, um, we it's all the mutants are getting blamed for passing on this plague, so we get to see how that story unfolds, and of course, the first target of this is Jubilee as the one who gets blamed for passing this on at the mall. And that's... Uh, that let's, seems let's talk about this real quick. Uh, Jubilee. That is her X-Men name. What is her actual name? Does anybody know? Jubilation Lee. Jubilation Lee. Mike, L-E-E. What kind of last name is that? Oh, so they're blaming the Asian girl? They are picking out the <laughs> one Asian person on the cartoon and saying, you are responsible for the plague that is attacking America. Well, nobody claimed the Friends of Humanity uh, had their heads on straight, Ryan. They were kind of racist. <laughs> Are the Friends of Humanity all on Facebook? I'm just yeah, the Friends of Humanity yet. just want to make America great again. <laughs> but yeah, so it does, like, his whole plan is to I don't release a plague while in the midst of X-Men and therefore create panic. And uh, this is what Bishop is here to stop. And his t- technique is just tackle everybody. Well, it, it's so where Bishop shows up is there's like a, a mutant, a non X Men mutant safe house, and these are like that mole guy we've seen who's like, I don't have powers, I'm just a freak, <laughs> uh, like. But so he's like the humans are getting riled up, and the cops are sort of trying to stop. So Bishop jumps in and actually puts it down, and Wolverine stops Bishop. Wolverine at this point is helping the mutant, uh, the human supremacists. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the people in the X-Plane can't fly, so they all go down the same exact rope in perfect unison, <laughs> except for Wolverine, who dives out of the plane, says a complete sentence. He's like, uh, don't worry about it, Cyclops. I will handle this entire situation, all while falling, plummeting yeah. <laughs> to his death. Uh, and then lands directly at Bishop and says, what the fuck are you doing, motherfucker? It, it, like Wolverine doesn't remember that Bishop was right last time. Just remember him, and like he knows kind of what he's doing. And he's like, "No, I gotta, I gotta." The, this gang of paramilitary mutant haters got to protect them. I can't tell you the amount of times where Bishop turns around. And he's like, "I was trying to help." What the <laughs> fuck? I, there's two separate times. You want to talk about blaming Asians for uh, starting a plague in America? Uh, there's like two or three times where people are like, stop the only black character before he starts another riot. Right. Like literally they say that word for word. He's going to, if, if he's left to his own devices, he will start a riot. Yeah. It's, it was, it's not great. Not great, time, <laughs> not great in general. Uh, it, but it is, it's so hard to explain this episode because there's so many levels to it, but we do have, so after this encounter, we then go to a, um, X-Men like mutants, rights trial because yeah. the people are now an uproar because this was obviously televised and we had and people you can tell it's televised because uh 
they put all the X Men in a line, and then behind each X Men, they put one protester behind them. <laughs> so when there's an uproar, one protester will stand up and fight against the X Men. Well, I protest Beast. You protest Gambit. <laughs> no, I had very, Gambit last week. They're very organized. So then, yeah, this then leads to a trial, and that's when Creed has a plan to um, target. He's specifically going to target the X Men in general, and his plan is to catch them as like the culprits at this trial essentially Mm -hmm. and he he goes for beast and it does not go well because bishop again just tackles him yeah bishop's like there's a thing in his hand and tackles him and none of them again listen to bishop again (laughs) yeah i kind of want to blame rogue here rogue is the first person to not just like stop the protesters but she just immediately picks one up and throws him uh (laughs) which is crazy but this is like i can't believe how predictive this is how prescient this episode is it's just that we don't like mutants but people won't know that they're bad so we will do sneaky stuff to make them seem bad you know Mm -hmm. like we they they have the plague and we don't have any evidence for that we sort of just made that up so what we have to do is make it seem like they're giving people the plague so people know that the mutants are giving people the mutant plague and i mean there's characters in this episode who are like you're causing the plague. We know that to be true because it's called the mutant plague. Yeah, which we call it the muty flu. That's not racist. <laughs> that seems ridiculous. That's literally what is happening right now. Yeah, and that's when, so they don't believe him that this guy was going to release this. Um, he does end up injecting himself. So he gets, we get a real dramatic transformation of him plaguing out, Creed plaguing out on TV. And then I'm plaguing um, out. I'm plaguing out. He goes full transformation, which makes you just have like cyberpunk little things on your face. I don't yeah. fully know what the is, plague. Techno organic virus. virus? Yeah. Oh, thank you. I was going to ask that Cable eventually does get uh, right. that. We we all know the te- it, does, it does lead to your death, but I think it also gives you powers until you die. Sort of like Monster Girl from Invincible. Yeah. Like every time you use your powers, you get worse. Or like also, strep throat. I hate to be that person who says, "Well, you know, like that whole thing of like." That argument of if you assimilate faster, then people will be less racist. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible argument. But Beast it, Beast owns suits, and yet he came to this trial wearing nothing <laughs> but his X-Men underwear. His blue undies, <laughs> the same color as his fur. Just So, like, from a distance, he looks butt-ass naked. Yeah, is it not a no-shoes, <laughs> no-shirt, no-trial? Like, <laughs> I am not one of those people who says, like, bow down to our culture or you should get out of here. But, man, anything added to just the blue undies. It's because he doesn't pick a side. Like, he goes into the lab, and he has a lab coat on. I'll give you it's open, and there's still just blue undies. But he does put on a lab coat. And in jail, he still wore the uniform. So, like, he's got to pick when he, like, shows up, when he wants to, like, blend in and not. Cassie, I would buy that, except for the fact that when he's in the lab, he wears a lab coat, his blue undies, and then a T-shirt that says, look at my blue undies. (laughs) Like, it's... It's that's disgusting. part of the lab safety that's, uniform, yeah, right? That's, that's, that's in the rule book. Uh, so we do, we get this, um, we then see, thanks to Beast, we do see that it is Creed releasing this because he uh, enhances the video. And enhance. That <laughs> enhance. Enhance. Zoom in. Move to the right. Move three blocks over. Oh my God, we solved the crime. <laughs> and sees that he is indeed, has like an aerial injector that's releasing this. And that's... Um, I have here, we then get an apocalypse reveal. Oh, that's because they go back to... Uh, the scientists. They, they follow Creed to, the, to like where it's being made, and 
I was like, that guy with the pink eyes is weird. I did not put together that guy with the pink eyes was Apocalypse, even though we saw Apocalypse we saw in the beginning Apocalypse. of the episode. <laughs> and this is a show for seven-year-olds. I was just like, oh, shit. Well, I, my first thought was, oh, that's Pink Eye. The ultimate X-Men villain, Pink Eye, who just always is rubbing shit in his eye. It, as- his weakness, warm washcloths. <laughs> no, get them away from me. But yeah, no, it turns out it is Apocalypse. And then, you know, he's got to freak out because the X-Men, they uh, just, ru- I don't know if they ruined the whole, like all of his specimens, but they kind of, they like burn the place, Bishop yeah. burns the place oh, down, essentially. He only had six more left. Apocalypse. And Creek gets the case of the vapors. When when his scientist buddy turns into Apocalypse, he goes, oh, and faints. <laughs> I, I love when Apocalypse is revealed. He uh, uses his favorite power. Eventually he gets bigger, but his favorite power is becoming one and a half times the size of your average man. <laughs> he just gets a little bit taller. Little. And he's like, now what? Wouldn't that unsettle you if I was suddenly one and a half times taller? Yeah, you know what? That's more <laughs> fucked up than being as tall as, tall as a building. <laughs> but then by the end, he gets full mad. He does flex on them and gets as tall as a building at the end. And that's when uh, we then go back to uh, Cable and the Cube, who have been recapping this. And that's when we find out that the... Um, them going back and stopping this plague from happening is what eradicates the mutants in the future. So now this is what he must save. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who knows? And Cable does the exact thing that you're supposed to do if you're writing an essay, which is reiterate the moral dilemma and then scream ARG as loud as you can (laughs) after you say the thesis of your essay. ARG. It's so good. It's undeniably... The best show of all time. I, no matter all these like the time hiccups and 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 anomalies uh, and people who have or haven't heard of the X Men or hate the X Men, they still all have X's all over all of their costumes. <laughs> yeah, and I, we talked about this last week. Uh, and by the way, if this is your first episode of this podcast, please go back and listen to last week where we discussed the Hellfire Gala. Uh, it's a very important thing that we did last week. Also, guys, did uh, Rogue call someone in this episode a peckerwood? I didn't catch I that. Did you hear that? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Is that an okay thing to say? <laughs> I'm. I, I. Somebody called somebody else something worse that we'll get to when we get to the awards, right? Oh, okay. I, I think Peckwood is is that. That's fine. I don't know if it's good for a kids show. Peckwood. <laughs> Probably not great. Uh, but speaking of awards, let's go ahead and get to those. I'll start with most '90s thing. Mike, what do you got for that? Cable versus the Terminators in the year 3,999 AD is the most 90s thing in the world. Just, the, they were like, we need robots in the future. Terminators. They, we got to let them they know. They are evil. Terminators. <laughs> it's very 90s. Ryan, what about you? Uh, it's got to be the picture computer. Feed a picture into a computer and be like, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. <laughs> Move to the left. Enhance, enhance. Oh, my God. He ate a strawberry three weeks ago. Like... <laughs> Computers were so... We had no idea how uh, powerful computers were back then, but we just got it all wrong. They weren't able to do any of this shit, you stupid idiots. They still aren't. They still can't, but they can somewhat enhance. Uh, For most 90s thing, I have the future coin that... uh, uh, oh, yeah. Bishop uses to pay for the uh, the paper, and it's literally still like a Ducktales gold coin, but it has like a freaking like analog clock on it or something. And they're like, "That's future money, I'm sure." Uh, no, God, I... Uncle Scrooge three thousand ninety nine is going to dive into that pile so hard. <laughs> it's so great. Um, I'm gonna give that one to Mike though because I love that they straight up just put Terminators in there. They did not care about the IP; they just went for it. 
Uh, our next award is going to be best gasp line. Right? What do you got for it? It's. I mean, like typically, this is not something that I usually give to the end. I, I feel like that's a cheat. I try to find something throughout the show, but Cable saying, "Wait, hold on, Alexa, are you telling me?" And then straight up laying out the entire thesis of the episode, and then just screaming to the heavens. Uh, that was my gasp line about how. Wait. In order to save the future, I have to go back and hurt the present. No, the pa- the the, pa- the past. In order to save my present, I have to go back to the past to save the future. <laughs> Rah! <laughs> His scream sold everything. Uh, Mike, what do you got for it? I, I had one. I want to take you on a jury. I'm not putting two in. But at first it was that Nick Fury, old school Nick Fury, David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were just watching the mutant humans trial you know who else was there who gw bridge the black who guy did? the black guy with the all the headgear uh uh-huh. gw bridge very important person at the end of the new mutants run and at the start of x-force gw bridge i think it's george washington bridge I think, he's, <laughs> I think he's named after a bridge in new york uh gw bridge is a name that i had not thought about in literally 30 years and then i saw that like how long was that on screen, Mike. Two seconds tops. And the second it was on, I was like, oh, GW Bridge. There he is. <laughs> there he is. Missed that guy. Uh, so that was going to be mine until Wolverine, when Bishop comes out, he says, what's that time jockey doing back? Jockey. And I was just like, wait, that is crazy racist because lawn jockey is an old school racist term for black folks. And Wolverine, just straight up. I know he's from the Civil War era, but that does not excuse his language. Uh, and it made my jaw drop. <laughs> they they do. Yep, that one's fair. Uh, for Gaspline, I have just when that Harry Mutant shows up again, because I love that guy. And I love that they're keeping <laughs> the continuity of this guy. Of like, anytime people are against mutants, we're going to show this guy who is just Harry. Love that. The Rick one, Moranis mutant. Yeah. One guy, and he's always like, why? Ow. <laughs> yeah. He's always getting shoved somewhere and just like crying about it. I love this little guy. He's um, just watching. He's watching CNN, hoping the X-Men don't do anything. Because every time they do, he gets a bang on his door. He's like, oh, no. They're here again. I'm I gonna, just have hair. I'm going to give that point to me, but it's just because it's going to that guy. He deserves it. Um, next award is going to be best use of power. Ryan, what do you got for that? Uh, I hate to be a fucking cliche here. I hate to be fucking use old shit. But at one point, Storm says, Goddess, yes. I would like to create hate blinding mist. I would like to create a mist so strong that it erases people's racism. A racism. <laughs> she calls down from the goddess to a racism. And that is impressive. She straight up says, quench their thirst for violence and summons rain. <laughs> like, I love her so much. It's, so extra. It's so There's. Extra. <laughs> There's three different times just in this one episode, which is jam-packed, by the way. This episode is fucking nuts. There's three different times in this episode where all of the X-Men team look at Storm and they're like, uh, Aurora, <laughs> you want to handle this? Because they have no idea what to do. <laughs> but one of them is hate-blinding mist. <laughs> it's so good. Um, that is what I have. Mike, do you have anything else? I do. Uh, when, before Bishop comes and stops the riot, there is a... He stopped it, everybody. He's not starting it. He's just there stopping it. Uh, but there's a guy who's in a suit 
yelling about mutants, and then the camera pans away. The next time he's there, he's in a full-on paramilitary. He has a little beret and denim jet vest, but same face, same cartoon face. And then he's in that outfit the rest of that scene. Uh, so his his quick change powers <laughs> really impressed me. Uh, at that point, uh, I yelled, Flint from G.I. Joe. And my wife yelled, Proud Boys. <laughs> yes. yes. He went from full Wall Street suit to Proud Boys, which is, you know, a real funnel we have to worry about. Yep. Mike, you, I mean, I love that. You probably deserve this award, but you know the rules here. Ryan had the same one as me, so that point's got to go to Ryan. Uh, our next award is going to be LVP. What do you got for him, Mike? Wolverine. It's he Wolverine. Just kept trying to stop the real hero of the episode. <laughs> he d- he was climbing on the rope for one second, and then he just said, "I got this," and then jumped on Bishop, and he was like, "I assume you're responsible." It's Wolverine. As Bishop's like defenseless people. Get behind me. Yeah, he really took an attitude with Bishop in this one, and like I know he's always had an attitude, but this one was a bit much. It's for sure Wolverine. Uh, Mike, I'll give that one to you. All right, and now- I know I know it's cliche to give Storm best power, and I know it's cliche to say this, Cassie, but I will say this. Terrible babysitter. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> Wolverine would be such a terrible babysitter. I think he, he gets it at a certain point. You know, you got to leave them to their own devices every once in a while. It's just kind of fun. I think, I think he'll be a great babysitter. Uh, I do want to move to MVP, though. So, Ryan, what do you got for that? Okay, so MVP. Rogue does this classic thing of fighting a bad guy. And then finding a dumpster just on the street and puts him in the dumpster and then slams it. That's her real superpower is dumpster dar. She does this extra thing. She then kicks it down the street as hard as she can. (laughs) And and it never stops rolling. The dumpster just goes for miles. And I would like a spinoff episode of just what that guy's life is after Rogue kicked that dumpster. Like, honestly, it probably went like four cities over. Like, his family probably had to like file a a missing person's report and find where that person is. Well, based on the strength of her kick, uh, I think he is just that trash juice that's at the bottom of dumpster. He is just (laughs) juicified. He just became juice. (laughs) And, like, Rogue gets crazy in this episode. Like, Rogue doesn't give a shit. But one of them is, what happened to that person, Rogue? You just made a person disappear in a dumpster forever. You gotta love that about her, though. (laughs) Mike, what do you got? It's, I think it's got to be Bishop. He's so maligned, man. The people who should be his allies are fighting against him. The humans are fighting against him. He's only trying to correct his past mistakes. Of trying, like his, his heart's always in the right place. He made a little mistakes his first appearance, but no, he is only in the right and is fighting against the goddamn world. And, here. In classic like black dude style, he's like, no, I swear to God. like He was about to inject him, and they were like, prove it. And then they yeah. enhance, enhance, enhance <laughs> on a picture. Yeah. It's not like, believe me, because remember you ended up being right last time and then after they'd answer like but still dude what the fuck yeah. it's like what do you want me to do yeah it's uh, i have and plus <laughs> he earns that stinger uh yeah i got bishop as well also because he was the only one who was able to like stop apocalypse everybody else like gene or uh cyclops just got knocked out right away like they were done for until he set the place on fire essentially so he was the only one who did anything he did it by tackling everybody you gotta respect it um ryan i really enjoyed (laughs) yours but you know the rules mike that point's gonna go to you so the totals for this, Ryan, I actually tied with you for once. We both got one. Mine's for the mole dude, though, so it doesn't feel like a real win because that goes to him. And Mike, you got three points. 
What was my? I thought I got zero points. What was my point for? Um, storm. storm. Uh, the best. Her, her, her racism. <laughs> her her rage mist is and the way she summons it. Uh, that is it for the show, though. I I would love to talk about X Men more, but it is time to end this. So, Mike, can you tell me about some websites? yourpopfilter.com is where you can go to get everything we create throw a little slash amazon at the end of that creating yourpopfilter.com slash amazon bookmark that that's how you shop now while also helping us go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter get all kinds of extra tent every week there's articles there's bonus episodes there's early episodes there's all kinds of things there's t-shirts from our very own backs i heard there's uh news and slews there's news slews, and you know what? Sometimes there's reviews. We're bringing them back, people. Uh, and then if you're looking to make a website about old man hobbies, go to cybersprout.net. They will be your partner old for the digital world. Old man hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you know I could listen to you sing always, but I am going to request that you tell us about the other shows. Uh, oh, we have so many other shows. This is, of course, the Superhero Show Show. If this is your first episode... Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us out a lot. If you review five stars, if you review us with one star or rate us with one star, then that hurts us. <laughs> Our feelings like emotionally, like yeah. it, it really hurts. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to Movie of the Year, where it's like this show, but Cassie is instead Greg. Which I gotta say, Mike, do you ever notice? Like, do you ever notice if we're talking to Cassie or Greg, just two fucking it- nice people? It's hat or hair. Yeah. Man. It's hat and hair and somebody just shrugging and sighing at the stuff we're saying. <laughs> just wishing they were doing something else. Uh, and also we go over uh, what is the single greatest movie of any given year. And then, of course, The Unnatural 20s, which is Cassie. And Cassie, do you notice when it's not me and Mike, but it's actually McKenna and Caitlin? Yeah, every once in a while, it depends on like how curly McKenna's hair is. I mistake her for Greg sometimes, and that's when it gets confusing. But for the most part, I do feel like it's you guys. Just uh, the same level of disappointment all around. And so when McKenna's hair is super curly, you think it's Greg, and then you think it's Mike? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the Superhero Show Show, Movie of the Year, and the Unnatural 20s. Please subscribe, rate, and review to all three of the shows. And Mike, I've been trying to figure out social media. Can you tell me where I can find your pop filter? Yeah, because we're old. We're not on TikTok yet. So go to Twitter and Instagram at your pop filter. Uh, I think there you'll also find news, news, and reviews. Go and check out that Instagram if you want to see those sweet, sweet Hellfire Gala costumes, yeah. uniforms, pageantry, gowns, gowns. There we go. We've settled on it. It's gowns. <laughs> Uh, we are old, so we do got an email. It's contact at your pop filter. Go ahead and email us over um, anything you want, really. If you got a Is email s- old, yeah, everybody has to email. The kids have to email, right? <laughs> nope, no, they don't. There's new ways. I don't know them. I'm too old. I, I'm still snail emailing, mail. But snail mail is coming back. Uh, we got a big episode next week, though. There's a lot happening here. Uh, we got the premiere of Jupiter's Legacy, a whole new show. I know we're all excited uh. about that. Yeah, we got the conclusion of the Time Fighters and an interview with the host of The Ex-Wife. Um, is that every? There's still more here, you guys. Don't you worry. It's an even bigger episode. Uh, host of The Ex-Wife, Sarah Lance meets Amelia Earnhardt. Jefferson and Khalil team up. Wells returns to the Flash. Supergirl leaves for the summer. It is an insanely huge that episode. Is a big gap. 
That's too much show, Cassie. It's entirely too much show, and it's a show that we will cover. No ma- we are going to talk about all those things. Anybody <laughs> else going to do that? Just us. Um, but that is it for this episode. <laughs> yep. For <laughs> Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone. <laughs>